My name is Terry Durawls and this is the five question podcast in which I ask our guests five important questions. Number one, what are you focused on right now? Number two, why is that important to you? Number three, what are the greatest challenges you're facing with your goal? Number four, how do you plan to overcome these challenges? And everyone's favorite number five, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given on the subject of mission? These are great questions. But to find out the answers, you'll have to stay with us and listen to our guests. Well, welcome everybody to our first ever five question podcast. This is when I, Terry DeRose, uh, I'm currently chair of the City Mission Movement, director of Manchester City Mission. I'm going to ask five questions, the same five questions to a number of guests. And uh, it won't be boring because every answer is going to be different. And today we're recording this at King Parts Conference Centre in Northampton uh, as part of the City Mission Conference and our first guest speaker for the conference and for this podcast is Sam Ward who is Director of Ministry, I've got that right Sam, yeah, at The Message. (laughs) So Sam, um, can I ask you, how long have we known each other? Can you remember? I think it's about 15 years. Is it 15 years when you had less grey hair in your beard? (laughs) The time, <laughs> yes. I still recognise you though, yeah, mate. That's good, mate. Yeah, so it's good, and it's been good to maintain that fellowship. Absolutely, been blessed to know you, mate. Really oh, are. thank you, and you too. So, Sam, yes. what are you focused on right now, and why is that important to you, mate? Well, I suppose that we're all about the build back from COVID, aren't we? So, um, the Message Trust went through a bit of a an interesting time when COVID hit. Um, much of our ministry is out in public spaces or in or in schools or prisons and then suddenly that gets whacked instantly and so we went through a couple of weeks of panic and then some weeks of prayer (laughs) to try and work out where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be focusing on Um, and it was at that point that I began to get passionate about um, the need of hungry children Mm. it was before it became cool through Marcus Rashford lots of people were beginning to realize that with schools closing, all those kids that had access to free school meals were gonna go really hungry. And so that was the thing that began to burn on my heart. Could we repurpose the message trust and could we focus our attention for a season for COVID and, uh, and begin to get our workers working on something that would meet a greater challenge uh, and an emergency challenge. So, <coughs> so I pulled together a bunch of friends, uh, a whole load of different ministries and uh, create something called the Lockdown Hunger Project. Lockdown Hunger Project began to work together with churches and ministries to try and get them uh, to work in partnership with local schools. I'd worked out that there was 20, about 30,000 churches in the UK and about 10,000 schools. So we could easily meet the needs of school children if we could get the church on mission, realizing that there was a way in which they could feed hungry children uh, that we could make a massive difference. So, Lockdown Hunger Project pulled churches through organisational help in partnership with local schools to begin to feed kids. And, um, uh, and the Lockdown Hunger Project delivered 4.2 million meals oh. over that first lockdown period. Um, but in the process, I suppose, we recognised that we could easily get caught up in trying to deliver a food bank alternative you know uh, you know we could begin just to deliver food to families we were delivering food locally i think we 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 fed thousands of families 60,000 meals we delivered in a really short space of time 
But what I found was that we were just handing bags of pre, pre-chosen food uh, that we assumed people liked, that we assumed people wanted to cook or eat. And, um, and I just thought, you know, that's, there's got to be something else that we could do. And so uh, we changed one of our, our buildings, we turned it into a shop, um, one of these halfway, sort of halfway between a food bank and a supermarket. We called it the community grocery that would uh, enable the families that we were serving to come and choose their own food, get access to fresh, high quality food at a very, very affordable price. And so uh, the community grocery, the first community grocery started and we found it was so popular that within the space of three months, we gained a thousand regular members. Um, Over a hundred people visiting every single day to our shop. Uh, And so people began to say, is this what you've created replicable? Um, and so we've begun to develop this model then that we are reproducing in partnership with local churches and that is dominating. That was the very long answer to tell you that is dominating my focus right now. Why is it important? Well, it, it feels like for such a time as this, you know, with the, uh, with the reduction in universal credit, with the, even the, the, the talk of food prices increasing as we head into Christmas and food shortages, Man, it's going to be the poorest of the poor that are impacted uh, as a result of COVID, Brexit, and all those things coming together in, a, in one a horrible mess for the poorest in our nation. And I feel like that is the thing that I've got to address. And so, uh, yes, I'm in the, in the process of working on 12 potential new shops, one each month over the next 12 months that I'm going to try and roll out around the nation. That is what I'm doing. So, really, I mean, it's one of those things where a need has met a solution and that makes it relevant and important particularly because of the the two things just a need on its own can feel draining a solution without a need isn't a solution at all but if you put the two together it becomes uh, significant to to everybody yeah so that's cool that's brilliant fantastic now something like that an undertaking like that is not going to happen without challenges what are the greatest challenges you, you are facing in terms of this ministry dominating goal right now and how do you how do you plan to tackle those well i tell you what there's an absolute ton of them there is um an ever- give me the top 50 <laughs> <laughs> there's an ever-increasing demand for food i mean interestingly during the COVID pandemic defra pumped in 350 million pounds into surplus food that is over the money has been spent and so now all these different ministries that began to find ways in which they could feed people are now scrabbling around for food. Food is in now real shortage, or well, surplus food, certainly. Um, one big thing for us is, is distribution. You know, are we able to find the food and then send it out to our 11 stores that are now everywhere between here and, um, and the Northeast? And so actually now planted in the Midlands too. So we're, we're spreading ourselves thin and the food we've got is also thin on, in short supply too. Um, but the number one thing primarily is um, volunteering actually. Oh, right. um, because you know, again, we're doing stuff in partnership with local church. We find when we begin one of our, our stores, our community groceries, there's lots and lots of people want to get involved. You know, on the opening day, there are not just a queue of people uh, looking to become members. Um, there are lots of dignitaries and loads of people from the church who are all like wanting to be in on it. Um, but you get one, two, three weeks down the line into a couple of months, and then the kind of slow 
and a reality of sustaining ministry begins to hit. And I think we find in that people are dropping out when and not staying for the long haul. What do we do when we've got a ministry that relies very heavily on some very active members, uh, very active uh, volunteers? You know, that's where it's tricky for us. And have you got a plan to deal with that? Well, the plan for me, uh, and maybe it's a pipe dream, maybe it's a hope is, you know, can, if this is truly a community grocery, again, that's the model, you know, can it be a grocery for the community, but can that grocery itself become a sustaining community? And therefore, those people that we've attempted to serve find their place in that store. You know, there's something that's very special about our store. It's not just that we provide a very affordable, like, approach to food. It's all about the wraparound care for us. You know, we want to meet the kind of holistic needs of those in poverty. We want to make sure that we are addressing education and access to work, making sure people have got the right benefits, making sure we can provide mental health services, signposting here, there and everywhere. Um, but actually, we want it to be a community that begins to care for itself. One of those things is that we, um, we've got this beautiful board in our shops that uh, is the pay it forward board where members, if they're doing really well, can not just buy their own food, but can leave a note, a post-it note, with um, paying for the food of another family that might be struggling oh, in any given week. But I want to take it further than that too, because I want them not only to come find food, maybe begin to provide food for others, but I want them to see it as so important to them that they would want to consider it their own shop and take on the pinafore and begin to serve and get stuck in. Um, and actually the secret to that really is helping them to understand the greater um, vision and ultimately to meet Jesus Christ. Absolutely. That is the key thing. And so that is our hope. That's why we partner with local churches, hoping that when people come to our store, they'll get some really affordable food. They'll begin to have their needs met through wraparound care, but ultimately they'll meet Jesus Christ. They'll be welcomed into the community of the church. And this, in a sense, will begin the mechanism that, that triggers community, them into the community of believers, in, back into the community grocery, in a way that doesn't see them as the one that receives, but the one as the one who serves. And I think that would be priceless for me. Yeah. Total engagement model then. I hope so, yeah, yeah. And maybe maybe it's when we begin to take that needs-based model and begin to see it as a people-facing model, when we begin to see them holistically and, and as special and created in the image of God, begin to serve them in such a way that sees them begin to flourish as God would have intended. Uh, and then when they find their value before God, uh, maybe they then hopefully will begin to serve. And we're beginning to see it wonderfully in our very first shot now. We have got many many members who are choosing mm -hmm. Jesus as the Lord and Saviour that they are now um, being added to the church being discipled and as a process are beginning to say what can I do to give back in worship to God you know in view of his mercy they are uh, you know laying their lives down for him and, and that's very special for us it's a very familiar process to many people who are involved in the city mission movement we see similar things in our projects so that's fantastic to see. Any wisdom for me then on how you, how you stimulate volunteering? Uh, well, obviously asking for volunteers is, is one of the simplest things. And I think if you ask um, in a way that is very definite so that people know what they're being asked to do exactly, when they're being asked to do it, yeah. very specifically, 
Um, and I wouldn't wait too long. After, you know, the iron is only hot for so long. Jesus said, follow me, can I do it now? Uh, <laughs> to his volunteers. He, he, he recruited his volunteers quickly, didn't he? Mm. So there are a few things about that. But what I would say is this is maybe a very good opportunity. Um, if you've got a, 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 a way of contacting the message for anybody that is interested in volunteers, if you if you memorised it and you can give us a, a website or a telephone number, yeah. if if you, if you have fine, if you haven't, make sure that we get it and we'll put it on uh, the website and uh, make it accessible for people that might want to volunteer. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. Now, here's a question: mm. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given on mission? <laughs> that is such a good question. I, I think uh, for me, I mean, it might sound controversial, but um, I, I'll roll with it, and then you can you can correct me. We'll edit you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the key, the, the number one thing for me has been uh, the piece of advice uh, that said, "Stop trying to be Jesus to people." Uh, within incarnational mission, which is something that I am very very uh, keen on, it's the thing that has really inspired my journey through living in a, in a deprived community as part of an Eden team. Um, we kind of prided ourselves on being like Christ, uh, being downwardly mobile, and then we talk about being his hands and his feet, and we talk about that a lot. But there was a phrase amongst Eden workers that uh, became very popular, which is, we're just going to be Jesus to people. Now, on, on one level, that sounds good. Uh, but there's a real danger within urban mission um, uh, when we begin to place ourselves in the role of saviour at the expense of Jesus. And this came to a head for me one time when um, I used to get a load of visitors to my community. They wanted to do what I would call the zoo tour. They wanted to be taken around a disadvantaged community, a poor neighbourhood, in a safe way. They wanted to see all the gory sights know where the scary things were. They wanted me to point out maybe where prostitutes lived or where drug deals could take place. They wanted the zoo tour. And uh, I remember doing a zoo tour and uh, finished up at my mate's house, a guy off the estate, you know, a former drug dealer, recovering addict, uh, and beautiful storyteller. And uh, I knew finishing with him would be the, the crowning piece in the zoo tour. Um, that he wouldn't let me down, you know, I'd turn up and then he'd share some amazing stories and then everyone would go home a little bit wowed. And so I turned up at his house, knocked on his door and he came out uh, and did exactly what I needed. You know, began to talk about the things that we did as a ministry and how it would impact him and his family. Just, just served it so well. And as he began to land his uh, storytelling, he said, oh, but before you go, just want to say this um, Sam is my rock some simple words that impressed massively the guests that we had into our neighbourhood that in that moment instant condemnation for me like he meant it as a great encouragement and he meant it as something to build me up but as I left I knew I'd made a massive mistake mm -hmm. and uh, I knew I had to fix it quick and so I got rid of the, the, the kind of visitors and made my way back to his house, knocked on the door, said, thanks mate for everything, but we've got to talk because I'm not the rock. 
I'm really not the rock and I, I kind of don't want to make it explicitly clear that man I'm gonna fail you like mm. I'm not faithful I, I can't be consistent in the way that I love you um, but there's one that is his name is Jesus Christ he's the rock and uh, and in all this storytelling he kind of indicated really that it was through me that life was different through me transformation was coming I'm like if transformation in his life is based on me, it's worth nothing, absolutely nothing. And I, what have I done? I've gotten in the way of Jesus. I've gotten in the way of Jesus working in this guy's life with all my best intention, hoping that I'd somehow tell him about Jesus. I'd replace Christ with myself and made myself the saviour figure for him and his family. And I just thought, oh Lord, I'm so, so sorry that I've gotten in the way. I'm so, so sorry that I've made myself saviour. And that, is, that was the piece of advice that I should have picked up on earlier. Don't make yourself saviour. Stop trying to be Jesus. Let Jesus be Jesus to your neighbours. Your job is to introduce him. Your job is to reflect his goodness and point to him. You know, signpost Christ. Don't be Christ. You might want to be his hands and feet. Let others see where he walks and how he works. But that's not your job to be Jesus. So to avoid the Messiah complex. There you go. Hey, oh, maybe, maybe that's far simpler. That's the best way I've put it. Summarised everything you Thank said you, in mate. five God. words. I took 25 minutes <laughs> and you did it in but avoid five it. And, I, and I, one of the constant things is on my heart is that we should be ministering to people out of the comfort we've received. We should be ministering to people out of unmet needs. Wow. Unmet needs are very strong motivation. Uh, but they're not the right thing for ministry. You can only give people what you've got yourself, I think. And so what you've just said there is right. You give Jesus, you have Jesus, you share Jesus, and that's, mm. that's wonderful. Sam, that's great. I'll ask you the questions, but we've got a bonus question. The bonus question is this, how can we pray for you? Oh, you can pray. Um, I feel like I'm really stretched at the moment. The, the need is big. And you know what, I just want to get this right. Mm. Don't waste this time. You know, this is an important time for the church. I'm excited for what God is doing, actually. Mm. You know, off the back of COVID, I just feel like we're going to see some incredible things happen. I don't want to miss that. I certainly don't want to miss that by working really hard on the wrong stuff. Mm. So you could pray that I just uh, are able to manage my time, really hear the Lord and follow his lead, not my own. I want to pray for you now, mate. Is that all right? Yeah, that's great. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for Sam and his work and the message. We want to thank you for this, uh, for his sensitivity to your spirit, uh, for him being able to hear what you were saying to the church at this moment in time and be able to share this vision with the churches. Lord, we are sad to think of hungry children. We're sad to think of hungry people. And we thank you for this movement that is uh, acting in a transformational way. We do pray, Father, that you will raise up these caring communities around these groceries. Mm. We do pray, Father, for volunteers to come rushing forward, not just uh, moved by emotion, but moved by you uh, in the depth of their soul. We pray, Father, <coughs> for Sam as he works his way through this immense task. We pray that you will make the day brighter with each step and uh, keep him clear in his vision, focused on what he's doing. Mm. Uh, let him not be distracted, let him not be exhausted. Uh, protect his diary, Lord, uh, and, and just pour your grace upon him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Thank you, Sam, for being our first guest. Groundbreaking position again. <laughs> and uh, I look forward to speaking, speaking to you sometime in the future. Thanks again. God bless, mate. Cheers, David. Thank you.